What is the color of incarceration? African Americans are incarcerated at more than five times the rate of whites in America. This podcast is going to address these issues. My name is Brooke, and this is the rest of the group. Natasha McKelmont. Nafiso Fiki. Edrich Dofor. Ayesha Muhammad. Okay, guys, I want to talk about um, police officers shooting our citizens. What do you think is going on? Why does this keep happening? Yeah, there's been a lot of talks in the news about um, police killing unarmed citizens, especially what happened in Texas with um, the white lady, um, the cop. I think her name was Amber Geiger. And uh, the situation where she shot Botham Jean at his own apartment, uh, I feel like that was a messed up situation. And... There's probably a lot to talk about it. What do you think about this, um, Nafiso? Um, I personally think it was unfair and unethical. Um, she randomly just walked into a house not even knowing um, where she is, and her excuse was that she overworked and um, randomly just shot a person that was just sitting there eating ice cream and watching TV. Um, I don't think that she got the punishment she deserves. Um, They're lightly, um, situations are not handled and that people are going lightly at her because, maybe because of race. Um, uh, I've asked several people, um, what do they think about this situation? They said that um, it's based on race and that she might have known exactly what she's doing but ignored the fact that this person is black and just basically just shot him. Right, so. right, right. I think the same thing happened in Texas with another case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it was uh, a male cop, and he, um, one thirty in the morning, he shot uh, a woman who, had, you know, she was playing video games with her nephew, um, gave her, you know, the stories changed from 0.6 to 3 seconds that he told her to, you know, hands up, never announce himself as an officer, which mm-hmm. is in their basic training. Uh, and it came down to a neighbor that had called just for a welfare check because the front door was open. He mm-hmm. knew her and, you know, what effect it leaves on him because now he's going and feeling incredible remorse, you know. I mean, he was quoted saying, you know, had I not called the cops, she'd still be here. And what does that mean for the way our police are perceived and what that really, what effect that has on us? Because, I mean... If we can't call them, who are we supposed to call? And what, when it comes down to it, also, what does that mean for citizens having their own guns or feeling like if the cops aren't going to protect you, shouldn't we protect ourselves from them? I mean, do any of you guys feel that? Well, I think you had some polls. So I decided to run some polls that were kind of related to this topic. And one of the polls that I ran, was do you think that bias plays a large role in the arrests and sentencing in the criminal justice system? And about 73 people voted, and 77% said yes, and only 10% said no, and 13% said I don't know. And I feel like um, just with this poll and looking at it, it shows that many people are noticing that there is a bias in regards to the way the uh, policing, policing in the justice system is, um, even though it might not get talked about as much. And then I ran another poll, which uh, 
uh, acts, do you feel like cops and policing have made you safer? And 58% said no, and 35% said yes, and only 7% said I don't know. Um, and a lot of people would think, or I guess I like the more logical thing people would think is that cops and policing should make you safer, but the fact that a lot of people really do believe that it doesn't uh, shows that we have problems that we need to fix and kind of uh, battle with head on. Um, and I think too, like, it's pretty crazy. Even the, what did you say, like 13% don't know? Like, How does... Like 7%. Seven okay, so 7% don't know and then... Like a good 58% said no. Mm -hmm. I mean, 7% of our society, they don't know how to answer that. That's kind of weird. Um, I mean, cops are there to um, allegedly um, protect and serve. I mean, a synonym for protect is to keep safe and yeah. make people feel better. Um, so why is 7% of our community not knowing? Or even about yeah. the other question that you had, too, I think. Um, was 13% answered? I don't know. I mean, that's kind of a question most people would say yes or no to, you'd think, right? Mm -hmm. Right, right. Well, and I wonder with those that don't know, though, maybe they haven't actually, you know, dealt with the, the you know, prison industrial system as well as with uh, what it's like to get arrested or even just pulled over and the fear yeah. that happens with that. Mm -hmm. um, I just recently overheard somebody saying, you know, why are our police officers not like our first responders, our firefighters? Why is it that they're out policing the street? And, you know, I get there's a concept of, you know, if you're Protecting. speeding or that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But why, why is it that they're, I mean, I know uh, a presence of the community is important, but also shouldn't they just be on call for those emergency situations? And shouldn't they be more of a casual either out and about or they get the call rather than it being mm -hmm. like, we feel like we're watched wherever we go. Right. That's yeah. True. That's true. All right, so my name is Natasha, and I'm here with Essence. Essence, do you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Hello, my name is Essence Blakemore. I am a student at Metro. I currently work as an administrative assistant um, full-time, and I go to school part-time. I do a lot of community organizing work, I guess you could say. Um, I just finished up a project with the McKnight Foundation. I recently started a YouTube channel to figure out community organizing. Um, just trying to figure out different ways the community can liberate themselves. That's what I've been working on. I got a lot of different things that I work on, but I don't. I can't really think of them all like at the moment. But I got a lot of different projects that I do. So like, I've been helping Anika out with her campaign. She's running for city council in Ward One. Um, but really, I've just been focusing on my thing. I'm trying to start a book club. So. Awesome. Um, is there any specific event that led you to kind of get involved in your community or just that kind of inspires you to do all the work that you do? For sure. Um, it started, it wasn't a particular event in my life. Um, school push-out is like a thing. Like it deals with incarceration because of school to prison pipeline. I got suspended a lot for no reason. Um, I was outspoken as a kid, but I was never, it mm -hmm. was never really a reason to suspend me. Um, well, not ever, but most of the time I wasn't doing nothing that called to get suspended. I made good grades all the time. So that was the first thing that really got me just involved with advocacy and figuring out what I can do for myself. I joined the Minnesota Youth Council. 
we passed the, the Minnesota Youth Council bill, which wrote our council into legislation in Minnesota. So that's kind of like what got the ball turning for me. But there wasn't anything in particular, I would say. But I've always just gotten to seeing inequalities, like, just in the world. And I'm just like, this ain't right. <laughs> when you talk about inequalities, um, so would you say that uh, white privilege is something that you see a lot? Or that... Oh, yeah. I went to high school in Cool Rapids, so for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. That is the thing. Mm-hmm. It exists. Um what occurrences, if you have any particular instances that you can speak of that um, really stand out that you would, you know, whether it be in the school system, whether it be outside, that you really was like, wow, that was different? Mm. Well, I used to work at a middle school. I used to work at Murray. And something that was like a wow moment to me was the use of privilege and just kind of that assumption because... Um, in AmeriCorps, you work with the at-risk youth, so those are the people, like, I don't really like the term at-risk, but that's, those are the kids who are, like, on their way to failing graduation, or to, to not graduate, so I had a focus list of those kids, and they kind of act, you know, you know, they, the behavior is not always the best, just bad behavior, realistically, some of it is just, like, ridiculous, but this teacher came, and she was just, like, like, where do they, like, get this from, like, do they not learn at home? how to like you know basically how to act how to behave which is true i totally agree with that's the type of stuff that you should learn at home but it's just like everybody's home isn't the same home everybody don't got mom dad some people don't even have a mom or a dad at home some people's parents are incarcerated there's a lot of different things that go on and a student in particular that she was referring to was a student whose parent was incarcerated and i know that because I spoke to him previously about why he wasn't showing up to school one time. I said, where's your mom? And he said, my mom's in jail. And I was like, hmm. So, like, not even white privilege, but privilege on my end, too, just to assume that somebody's coming home to a mom. I always came home to a mom. My mom never went to jail. But for her to say that was like, you know, I, that was a real privilege, privileged thing to say. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like. Make you think. Yeah, it definitely made me think. It made me think when I first asked the kid, like, why doesn't your mom tell you to get up and come to school on time? And he's like, my mom's in jail. And it was kind of like, it was awkward for me personally. I don't think he knew how awkward it was because, I don't know, it just made me feel stupid, really, because it's just like, it's not your job to assume what somebody's supposed to have and what somebody's supposed to have done or learned. So, Mm -hmm. that's something I would say. And I think that happens a lot in education. People assume that students are supposed to already have these skill sets or... You know, values and just knowing how to quote unquote act. So, uh, that being said, what adjustments would you like to see happen in the job, or in the um, in the school system? I mean, how can we create policy or um, make the changes that would make it so that students that don't have that assistance have somebody that they can go to, but without the judgment or the criticism that typically falls in line with that. Yeah, um, I think with the school system, that is not possible, really. And with the criminal justice system, it's not possible because the thing is, these systems were created way before oppressed communities came into them. Like, before black people were able to go to school, the school system was set up. The school system came from trying to socialize Native American people. You know, so it's just like the system itself wasn't built on a good foundation. And if the foundation isn't good, 
you know, the house is bound to fall. Not necessarily that the system is going to fall down, but just the people within the system, it's not going good. Because in school, to really work through some of those issues and deal with some of those things, those type of conversations can't be had. The only reason they felt comfortable telling me what was going on is because I was, like, the cool staff or the trustworthy staff. But a regular teacher, anybody else who has an ongoing, consistent relationship with this kid for maybe multiple school years they're not as open to come to them and it's because of confidentiality if a kid feels like they're going to go tell a social worker it's going to get them ripped out of their home or something and they're already dealing with child protective services that they're already dealing with the system in general they don't care to deal with the system any more than they're already doing it so it's just like in school school has made it to where you can't have that real relationship because if i can't really come and tell you what's going on you know, like, and in a lot of abusive situations, it's like, it's an abusive situation, but this is still my home, this is still my family, and just because you put me here doesn't mean that I'm going to be okay. So, like, sometimes, even though it sounds super crazy, the trauma, they're willing to deal with the trauma more than moving them to another traumatic situation. Child Protective Services is nothing but an extension of the correctional system. It's nothing but an extension of the criminal justice system, and that... There's stuff coming up with Child Protective Services coming out now. So, I don't know. Um, I would say working on getting more supportive people in the school who aren't confined to confidentiality, more restorative circles. But with circles comes confidentiality. So, if something is said in circle, you know, it's not for the teacher and counselor to go back and alert everybody. That's really where the disconnect is because... Students don't feel that they have support, and it's kind of like teacher versus student, and it's not teacher and student working together. They literally have it that the teacher and the student feel like they're on opposite ends, so um, I think that would be the biggest thing, like fixing that, but also with the correctional system, or like fixing some stuff, um, just getting people to the table to actually know what's going on. Awesome. Um, you're going to stop here, and then we'll go to this yeah. Yeah. And then maybe just find a less exciting spot. <laughs> okay, Alan Olson, how long have you been a police officer and where do you work? The city of Whitbury, and I've been doing it for just shy of 18 years. Okay. Um, what are your views of race relations within your department? In regards to what? Just kind of how, um, like, say, I, I guess I don't know if you have any any black officers, but black versus white, not versus, but you know so how in the, the two. Itself? Yeah, in the department itself. Oh. Yep. So in our department, uh, we actually have a high number of female officers. Um, we got a couple black. Well, we got one black officer, one Ethiopian officer. Uh, Okay, do they, I mean, is it essentially like a family kind of setting, or, I mean, does everybody get along? Yep, everybody gets along. I mean, we all, I guess on the work side of it, for within, we don't, the race doesn't affect us, you know, to that level. I mean, we just, you go to a call, you work with people, whoever ends up being that shows up, right? that doesn't become a factor for us. Okay. Um, so when you're working, do certain situations unconsciously or consciously make you think of race or draw, like, kind of draw your mind or your attention to race? Yeah, 
Is that ever kind of a factor, do you think, while you're working? Um, yes, I think unconsciously it does. Um, and I think the way I present it to most people. So let's say you walk into a bar. I don't care what your color of skin is, but let's say you walk into a bar. And there's 50 people in there. And you just scan the room. And everybody does it. And out of those 50, you instantly know which ones are your problem people and which people you're going to go sit by that are, you know, depends on how you are or what that mood is that day. You know, either you're going to have your party people, you're going to have your fighters, you're going to have your people that just want to sit in the corner and be by themselves. But the ones that just want to sit, let's say, sit and watch the uh, football game that's on or the one that's listening to the music, whatever. Everybody kind of pre-scans and kind of does that. I mean, that's the same thing that we have to do with society. Sure. Um, so with that being said, um, do you think police officers have racial biases and do you think it hinders their their work performance and or possibly their work friendships? Um, I don't think work friendship with him. We don't want to see it with him. I mean, we all kind of, over time, you, you you kind of deal with the same people. You get the same kind of attitude on most calls for the way it should be handled. Um, or us pointing each other off the side and being like, hey, here's what I'm thinking on this call versus what they're thinking. Sure. Um, we kind of just go into it as a team and we compare what we want to do. Okay. So uh, the other side, but not within ourselves, but I mean, you know, through society, if we're looking at it. Um, I don't know if race does. A lot of it is the attitude, you know? I mean, I can have some awesome people that have done some stupid shit that are easier to talk to, deal with, that I'd rather give a break to, or, you know, you actually like, oh, yeah, I can see why you did this, you know? Yeah, it was stupid, but I can see it. Mm-hmm. Or the ones that are just straight up calling you racist and and treating you like crap, um, your, your, your sympathy level goes way down. You just don't, you, you know, I mean, they don't, they don't catch your attention as much as for, like, caring. You just... Like, okay, well, you did this wrong. I don't care. Then let's just go. Let's just move on. Let's bring it to jail or whatever the situation is. Um, where, you know, like I said, attitude's a huge part. Yeah. Now, whether it's race-based or not, I mean, some of it is, but I, I, I give just as many people that say, I mean, let's use black, for example. People that are black that I run into with the same scenario, whatever it happens to be, speeding or whatever, they have a, that are very decent and white and have an awesome attitude, I, I give them the same breaks that I would give a white person or an old person or whatever, you know, whatever breakdown of racism you want to give or demographics you want to give. Um, but the same on the opposite side, you know, if I deal with a black person that's completely just calling you a racist and he's being an asshole, it's easier just give him a ticket and be down and move him on. Um, but at the same point, I, you know, I kind of do that the same with any of them. I have the white guy or whatever. I mean, you get to get the white guy that, same thing. You'd actually be surprised at how many white people call me a racist when I'm white, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't, and it's across the board these days. If I stop an Asian, I might get it. If I stop a Hispanic, I might get it. Like, there's no, like, demographic that's not calling you a racist a lot of times. Sure, and do you think but that's kind of a, a shield that people are using? With that oh, being absolutely. Said. Yeah. Yep, they're trying to deflect their own misconduct, you know, to intimidate, um, to get you to refocus what you're going to do. Um, like I said, I've been doing too many 
uh, you know, scare you. Sure. And it might influence you. it's kind of unrelated so when you are doing um when you were first trained um to go be a police officer are you trained to make a kill shot how does that work why is there all sorts of um shots you know police shooting people and dying i mean why wouldn't they shoot the leg or i'm just curious how that works to wrap things up after hearing the uh, officer and activist perspectives and opinions what are your thoughts um, after creating this podcast going forward on how to effectively make change well I think first of all it was a great discussion by all of us you know great contributions Uh, what I think should be done is like um, more officers should police the neighborhoods that they grew up at so we shouldn't have a situation where white police is uh, policing a black neighborhood and there's no connection between the police and the people, right? I think we can try to bring awareness to the um, topic specifically and, you know, do that by educating our community, um, maybe asking questions, trying to gain more insight. 
Okay, I think we should also reevaluate how we sentence people by removing mandatory minimums and creating a more unified um, sentencing. Uh, and then I'd also like to see improved communication between those with power and those without, uh, whether it be from students and teachers, uh, students being able to confide in their um, teachers, to officers and the public. Um, and that comes from all levels, not just uh, officers, but also the ones, um, the judges and everyone else creating the sentencing. So we want to leave you with the same question. How can you effectively make change in your everyday life to help promote uh, a more unified and community environment for all? Um, thanks for listening to us, and we'll see you next time.